Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Kuiper Collective Podcast. My name is Branson Parler, and uh, I'm joined today by Andrew Zwart, uh, my colleague and fellow professor here at Kuiper College. Uh, so, Andrew, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to dig into today's topic. Uh, we're thinking about uh, interpretation, biblical interpretation, hermeneutics, uh, but also, you know, we, we want to explore this a little bit from uh, a more general perspective, thinking about uh, how we interpret texts and how that shapes, especially how we approach scripture. Uh, so, Andrew, you're a lit professor. You teach yeah. lit classes here. How does uh, thinking about just literature in general and interpreting literature in general, how does that uh, how is that a good entry point or help us to think through some of the things going on when we interpret scripture? And and I want to start there because I think yeah. a lot of times there can be a divide between, you know, it's almost, you know, we recognize the Bible is different. It's not mm -hmm. a book like any other book, right. but we sometimes fail to recognize the sense in which the Bible is a book like other books. Right. Uh, and so what, what can interpreting literature and engaging literature teach us about interpreting the Bible? Yeah. So I think that the first thing, right, when students come to a class in literature, I think there's an expectation that part of what we're going to do is interpret. Um, and I don't know, know if, if you would agree with this, but I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't ask that question. Like we, we don't think of it as interpretation, hmm. right? We just think of it as, oh, we're just, we're just reading. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into, because I, I do think uh, we need to approach literature and the Bible in different ways. And I think that, you know, there are different questions to be asked there. Um, but so with literature, yeah, it, it kind of, students come and they're, and they're kind of ready in a sense to interpret. And then it's always kind of interesting to, to sort of see what models of interpretation that students bring. Hmm. Um, so I think, I think probably the most common one students bring, and I, I'm generalizing here a bit, but is the idea that, you know, what interpretation really involves is figuring out what the author intended. Um, you know, so what are the author yeah. of this, this text, uh, where are they trying to communicate? And, and I think that's, that's certainly a valid one, but it's not the only, uh, approach to interpretation. So, you know, there, I, I think of kind of three common strategies of interpretation. So the first one is, okay, let's, let's really kind of dig into the author. And even historically, you know, you, you see kind of ages of interpretation where the idea was let's let's look at the biography of the author let's find out kind of like about their life and that's going to tell us more about kind of how to understand this text they've written um and then there's a kind of movement um in the 20th century to the idea that uh, that interpretation should really just be focused on the text itself, that we can completely hmm. put the author aside, and it's just what's what's there on the page. That's the only thing that really matters. And then, of course, more recently in kind of postmodern theory, you know, it becomes much more focused on the reader, uh, reader response. Yeah. And so, uh, so students come in with all these different models, but I would say the, the dominant model is, you know, kind of what the author uh, intended. Uh, and again, it's useful, but it's not the it's not the only way of approaching a text. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, and I I think going back to the, kind of the first point you made, almost a side comment about the question of interpretation. I do think that's an obstacle that we can uh, have when when we're approaching scripture, because I think uh, at least for some, and I've even heard people kind of you know make kind of this offhand remark in like an adult Christian education or Sunday school class where you know, somebody's bringing up something that's, you know, maybe a different way of looking at the text. And, and they'll say something along the lines of, you know, well, 
you're interpreting the text. I'm just reading it. Right. Yeah. And so there's almost this sense that um, when it's almost like to interpret something is this extra step. Yes. uh, That there's a kind of sort of uh, uh, access to what the text is saying that that maybe you can get to without any interpretation at all. Uh, And I, I think and so I think there's a danger when we approach scripture because I actually think that that's a that's a pretty dangerous position to be in to because I would say you you are interpreting but you don't realize that you're interpreting that that in some sense it seems so obvious that you just think well there's no interpretation at all here it's just obvious yeah and I think it's one of these things uh, that uh, yeah that we we interpret all the time right and it's actually such a natural part of being human that we, we actually just forget that, right? So again, when, when students come to a literature class, it's like, okay, this is literature, we must interpret, right? But what about just like our daily lives, right? So like I pass someone in the hall and say, hey, how you doing? And they give me an answer. And we, we just take that as like, oh, that's just, you know, I just asked the person, they responded, it's all obvious. But actually we're, we're interpreting all kinds of signals there. Uh, we don't think of that as interpretation, yeah. right? And we do it so naturally. That, that, that's the reason we forget, right? So like, so if I say that, like there are sometimes where someone might respond and they'll just say, ah, good, how are you? And there are other times where, you know, they, they might interpret that question in a different way, which means, no, really, tell me, tell me, like, how is your life right now? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of thought, although I think it's, it's not initially at a conscious level to be able to like make these decisions about right. what's the intention here. Um, I think, you know, I talk about this in one of my classes a little bit that uh, even just like we're interpreting, uh, you know, as we as we see the way people are dressed around us, we're, we're again, maybe not conscious. We're interpreting like what that means, you know, certain yeah. certain just like everyday actions. We're constantly sort of like thinking about, OK, what is this uh, communicating to us? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say we are interpretive beings um, and that that never shuts off. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, and and that and that that's not uh, a bad thing. Like, it's not a bad not thing that, that we have to interpret. That that's sort of the normal creational reality. This is how God made us. That uh, even even if sin had never entered the picture, you would still have uh, you still have to clarify yourself. Sometimes you'd still have to interpret what others are doing through that lens. And I think when I think about the worry I think that some people have is that, well, if you say that, if you say that we're always interpreting, it's, it's interpretation, uh, then especially when it comes to scripture, then all we're left with is just kind of, well, that's your interpretation. This is my interpretation. And, and so I think on the one hand, we have to affirm that, uh, it, we're all interpreters Mm -hmm. and it's something we're doing all the time. I mean, the example I sometimes use is, you know, the kid's book, Amelia Bedelia, is a great example oh, of you take everyday idioms and uh, somebody who doesn't understand them <laughs> right. runs into all kind of comedic adventures and thus you have a kid's book. Uh, but it reinforces that even things that seem natural, we, we are interpreting. Uh, and so I think on the one hand, we have to emphasize we're always interpreting. We're never not interpreting. Uh, and on the other hand, to say... And I think actually Amelia Bedelia helps me out a little bit here too. There is such a thing as uh, better and worse interpretations. Absolutely. Good and, or you might even say good and bad interpretations mm-hmm. uh, of 
what somebody means or of a text. And so to say that we're always interpreting, it's all interpretation, you know, that that doesn't diminish the fact that there are better and worse interpretations. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's a, a kind of charge that maybe sometimes gets leveled at kind of the more reader response kind of postmodern approach, right? Which which I think I, I think that that side of things, which is the opposite of the authorial intent, I think there is value there, right? So like um, I, I, we, we have this idea, I think that's fairly widespread in our society that meaning is kind of this thing that that like the author owns. And then they they sort of through the text is like this medium that then, you know, the reader gets and it stays the same. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a very narrow kind of like idea of what meaning is. So if you think of meaning actually as the, more of this process, this exchange between the author, the reader, that opens up a little more room for the reader to make connections to to their own life. Um, and actually, like, I think. Uh, we want to be careful with that, but there's an, even with biblical uh, kind of reading the Bible, there's a value there, right? Like we want mm -hmm. readers to connect these texts to their own lives. It, that can't be the only thing they do, but that that's a, a piece of it as yeah. well. Um, but yes, but at the same time, um, what the reader, the way they apply that to, that to their life, it can't just be anything. Yeah. And, and I think, like I said, that's a charge that gets kind of thrown at sort of the reader response school. And yet, if you look at the ways that people interpret, really, it's kind of a straw man. No one ever, you know, no one reads the book and says, well, uh, you know, I'm a surfer. I think this is really about surfing. When, yeah. You know, when yeah. nothing like that appears in the book. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, and so with with reading the Bible, too, I think it's it's important that we kind of recognize that we are all bringing kind of like our own stories to this text and we're seeing ourselves in the text. But then we also have to be really careful about that, um, that, that we kind of think about that doesn't mean any interpretation is equally good. Um, and so that, that means that we have to become more careful readers. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, a whole boy, that's a challenge. Yeah. Um, and I, and I say that in part because, uh, I think one of the things that, that I try and do in Lit and I think you try and do in your Bib, Bib and Terp class is even just help our students to become more careful readers. Yeah. A, especially in a culture where that is, you know, speed and kind of like just uh, the, the ideal in some ways is as cram as much information, right? We're surrounded by information. And, and so it's like read quickly, um, you know, uh, so what what are some yeah. ways that you you work with your students to become more careful readers? Yeah, I think that's a it, it is a challenge, like you say, because I think partly it's a it's a discipline that we don't have as a culture and society as a whole. Uh, you know, we don't we don't have a high value on that. We uh, maybe read a lot of little bits and pieces of things that we might see, uh, but but don't really take time to to dig into that. And so, yeah, I think there are, are a few things I think can be can, can help us to do that. One is, uh, I think, simply taking the time to slow down yeah. uh, and and read and sit with a text and even to, again, this sounds foreign to people, but you know, to read through something more than once, mm -hmm. uh, to go back through, uh, to take to take time with it and to and this is where I appreciate, you know, what you're saying about reader response. Notice uh, what what strikes you and not necessarily in the sense of like, you know, oh, what strikes me in terms of a devotional meaning or something like that. But, but I think oftentimes we read through the Bible and uh, we don't let its 
kind of strangeness yeah. sit with us in a way that would force us back to think about the text more, to wrestle with the text more. And so, you know, especially if somebody grows up in Christian circles, maybe you're more familiar with, with scripture. And so taking the time to, to walk through the text, to, to try to just observe what's there and to think about what is strange points of points of dissonance points. It's mm-hmm. like, well, this is, why does this sound strange to me? Why does this sound, you know, out of the normal so that I, so that I can start to try to dig in to understand uh, how would this text have been uh, heard? What would the original author or speaker have, have understood by this? How would the original hearers have heard this? And so I think that's, that's one layer that does, it does connect up with partly with this piece of authorial intent that says, uh, I, I think the way a lot of Christians read scripture is especially today almost jumps right over that. Yeah. I mean, I think, th- I think there is a, there's a certain segment of hermeneutics or biblical interpretation that is just obsessed with that. Like, right. let's just go back and figure out what did the author actually mean and kind of reconstruct the situation in a way that almost, uh, just ignores, well, what it what it might mean for for us today? That's right. Um, I, I think, and I think this gets to some of the thorny, thorniness of this issue, right? Because, so I've been talking about kind of like the validity of reader response, um, and yet I, I want to recognize and I want to be really clear too that we should actually approach the Bible differently than we approach other texts, hmm. because as Christians we believe it holds a special place, right? Yeah. And so even thinking about like, but like going back a second, I was talking about how you know. Um, this idea of meaning that the author has it and and just perfectly communicates it. Well, you know, I think like with kind of any old text, we have to recognize that even that author could uh, be writing things that they might not intend, but are still present in the text, right? Because they're a product of their culture, right? And so like if we read someone from the 18th century, they may, may not have meant to have this, but we can read and we can say, oh, that's really interesting that, you know, they talk, let's, let's say about race in this way, or uh, they talk about women in this way, right? And, th- and that's where you get kind of these schools of like feminist readings or, you know, uh, these kind of lenses. Yeah. Um, well, I think, th- I think there's real validity there. The difference is that if we believe the Bible is really inspired, then we don't believe that, that, I mean, you know, so for these authors, they're, they're writing maybe not fully aware of, of you know, uh, what they're doing, it, like entirely, or at least they're like, their culture is impacting them, right? Yeah. That's not true for God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think that gets back to your point about like, so as humans, we are finite. And so interpretation is part of uh, like the way we've been created as finite beings. But God is not finite in that same way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where it gets into navigating, uh, especially thinking through uh, the question of both uh, the fact that Scripture has uh, human authors and yeah. the divine author, because I, I think uh, we're often tempted to either uh, to sort of erase or block out one, one or the other, or the other. Yep. And I think that part of the so we we want to think about, especially from uh, the, the level of the human author, again, to understand what was their culture, what's the history, to do our best to put ourselves in, in their place so that we can have a well-rounded understanding of what is this text saying, what is this yep. text meaning, um, but to also recognize that there is a deeper layer there. And one way I think about this within the field of, of biblical studies and interpretation is 
um, you know, you can do biblical studies uh, driven by the question, you know, what does this mean and really trying to place it in its original context and have a good understanding of that. Uh, you can do that and not really be a Christian at all. Yeah. Uh, right. So there are right. plenty of people who are in the field of biblical studies who, especially in the broader culture, teach at public universities who aren't Christian. Right. Uh, but who explore the Bible as literature in that way and try to understand what's it doing, how did it mm-hmm. function. Right. Um, but there's this sense that as, as the church uh, reads scripture, there's this recognition that there are layers of meaning to scripture, even even layers that I would say that the original author doesn't understand at the time. Right. So that when you think about how yeah. the church has read the Old Testament as not only are there uh, you know prophecies that point ahead to Jesus, but there are you know, reading the Old Testament as having types and figures mm-hmm. of Jesus, uh, yeah. a typological reading that says, you know, things like, you know, David, the shepherd king, is a type of, a pointer to Jesus as shepherd king. And again, the the point is not that, uh, you know, when biblical authors are describing David, or we, even when David himself is writing the Psalms, that, that he is somehow 100% fully aware of even who he is or what he's saying. Uh, but God is, uh, yeah. but, but that God, right. uh, God is not just the author of scripture, but that God is the author of history and scripture mm-hmm. is, uh, has, has sort of this deeper meaning, if you will, that is layered in there. And then on top of that, that this, this sense that the meaning of scripture is not just about what's going on then, but it's a pointer to Jesus. And that as we read this and understand this, uh, it does actually demand a response of us, mm-hmm. So it is, so in that sense, it is written, it's, you know, this is a, it's not written to us, it's written for us. A lot of hermeneutics profs say that, I say that, recognizing that while we're not the original audience, it still has something to say for us today in our context that in some cases may be identical and in other cases is not necessarily identical in terms of how do we live from this story, how do we live out of this story uh, today and so it's interesting to see how those things are all woven together. I yeah. Think. So when we then when we can say, look, we're we are interpretive beings. Um, you know, I think sometimes that scares us, or you know, but but the way you were just talking, it's like if we approach the Bible and recognize that, actually, then reading can become this really rich, right? It can be looking through these yeah. layers, and I think actually that approach lends itself. Uh, to the Bible actually being even more powerful. Hmm. Um, you know, I so to kind of go back what we were saying just a little while ago, so uh, reading slowly, right? So I do, I do one exercise in w- one of my classes where we sit with, uh, it's probably like four pages, and it takes us almost two classes to read. Huh. And we read as a group, and we stop after every short paragraph, and we discuss it. And a couple of things happens there. So one is it slows us down, and then two is that it's always amazing to me that as a group, we kind of keep each other in check. Yeah. You know, so so as a group and a community, there's still reader response going on. But again, we're recognizing, you know, that there are better and worse interpretations. Um, and I think that that's something that um, as a Christian community, we have to think about as well, right? So, yeah. so yes, we can read um, and we can think about, as you said, sort of like what strikes me individually, but how, how useful it is 
uh, to do that in community yeah. uh, where we're kind of uh, also helping each other see more clearly. Uh, we did that yeah. in cha- chapel right this week. Yeah. I thought that was a beautiful example of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, I appreciate that piece because I think uh, we have, you know, because we live in a highly individualized Western culture and even the fact that most people have their own Bible, uh, we tend to think of, I think of, of Bible reading as primarily an individual thing. And uh, I think when you look at scripture, you see the importance of the people of God gathered around the word of God, uh, that even looking at, you know, what the early church looked like and what their gatherings in homes looked like uh, was probably, you know, certainly you had times where it was one person. Um, preaching sometimes so long so that people were falling asleep and falling out of windows in the early <laughs> church and uh, yeah so you did have that but there's also the sense that the people of God gathered around the Word of God is uh, crucial and that it's not just one person but that you have the whole group gathered around Scripture listening to Scripture together talking through Scripture together that that's actually I think a a really important spiritual discipline that we have kind of made optional in our right. in our culture where at least depending on what stream of 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 christianity you're from um i mean we can sometimes focus so much on you know you do your own individual bible reading time of prayer uh, and almost make any kind of corporate bible study or teaching and kind of question and answer that's kind of secondary like if you can fit that in that's great but definitely do your own and I don't, I don't think we necessarily have to privilege one over the other, but rather to say these are both really crucial uh, spiritual disciplines to have. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, I think the kind of communal emphasis is, uh, is important. Uh, I, I do want to pick up on one thing we haven't really touched on. I wanted to get to uh, for just a couple of minutes, and that is um, I think— or, or, or let me throw this out. See what yeah. you think. Am I overstating this? Um, I, I think because of this, this point that we made earlier about how interpretation just becomes natural. What I see is that most Christians can't, or many Christians, I'm trying to say this in exactly the most precise way, but, but I think many Christians struggle to explain what they're doing when they interpret the Bible because it has become so natural to them. Uh, and what I mean by that is the Bible is a complex book and the question of, you know, what does it mean to follow scripture? What does it mean to do what the Bible says? Uh, The answer to that I think is complicated because it's not as simple as let me just jump in anywhere and pick a verse. And that's what I'm going to do. Right. That, that, that way of approaching it, I would say is clearly not doing justice to the text. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, because which by the way, we would never really do with any other book. Right. Like we wouldn't just open a book and take two lines and say, I'm going to read that and, oh, this is what it's saying. Yeah, right? yeah. And so there's a sense in which you have to know the whole mm-hmm. and you have to recognize how all the different parts of the whole interact with each other. And, and I mean, that's why my contention is it's like, it's like a really complex game that we know how to play uh, and we know how to play it, but we're really bad at explaining to others how you play it. Yeah. Like I think when I think about, you know, complicated board games, again, uh, you know, kind of the, the classic Settlers of Catan or other games like that. You know, I know how to play them, mm-hmm. but I don't do a really good job of explaining to others 
how to play them. Or, or, or I think about this, like teaching my kids to play baseball in the front yard. Where do you start? Right. Where do you start? Because it, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's complex. And oftentimes the best way to actually do it is to, to teach somebody is to say, okay, let's just play around and I'm going to kind of walk you through it and, mm-hmm. and show you how to do it. But I think the disconnect is our, our interpretation actually is really complex and complicated. Our explanation of what we're doing is not. Right. And so it's often right. like, well, the Bible says it, I believe it, or I do it, that settles it. Right. Or, or yeah. sort of maybe more complex than that, but kind of a simplistic approach to what this means. And so I think we kind of, we did do ourselves a disservice because then when interpretive questions really do come up, we don't really know why we're like, well, yeah, this is how, well, this is how I was taught, but we don't know the deeper logic behind, mm-hmm. you know, well, this is why we do this from Leviticus and this is why we yeah. don't do this from Leviticus or this is why, this is how we read this text and why we interpret it this way and not this way. Yeah. Which is why, which is why you teach a whole class on this, right? Which, uh, yeah. But, which is why I think it, it, it takes a good semester to try to walk through even just the basics. What I would say is the yeah, basics. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then I think about too, like even how, how, for example, in sermons do pastors model uh, in their sermon itself yeah. kind of like not just the the okay I've read this I know how to interpret it now I'm going to tell you but actually even modeling within the sermon itself how interpretation was done how it was yeah. done well um, yeah that's a challenge it is it is and it's almost like we need again I think of it almost more in the genre of teaching than preaching to kind of walk through uh, you know people I've heard people who you, know, you take a class on preaching and it's like well you don't your sermon is the dinner. You don't show people how you fixed the dinner in the sermon. But at the same time, I think the the disconnect is that we're not, at least what I see is that we're not actually teaching. Uh, we got to learn to cook. We got to learn to cook. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we people are used to the, the, the food, but they don't know how to fix it themselves. Right. They're not able to prepare or lead or, or teach because they don't know how do you get to that. They just see the end result. Which again begs the question, well, how did you get here? And, and in a lot right. of ways, it just seems like, well, I don't know. They just said that. That's that. Yeah. And then you, that's their interpretation without right. being able to actually explain why, uh, why this makes sense and how this all works out. So, yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. Uh, well, this has been, there's a lot more we could probably dig into. Uh, we just kind of scratched the surface here. Uh, but, Andrew, thanks for being with us today, thinking a little bit about interpretation in general and biblical interpretation uh, specifically. Thanks again. Thanks. This was fun. Yeah, good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, we'll chat with you next time.